Welcome back to Geek Life, PandaMega.com's very own podcast, episode 23, and talk all about games. Now we are in October, which is easily my one of my favorite months of the year. Gotta love all the paranormal and scary movies and Halloween and all that stuff is just... I'm a sucker for it, so very excited to talk about some paranormal slash scary horror type games. And everything is pumpkin flavored now. And everything is pumpkin flavored, which is uh, magnificent. Pumpkin flavor. Except for pumpkins. Except for pumpkins, they're already pumpkin flavored. Yeah. So, yeah. Pumpkin flavored pumpkins. Anyway, with me as always is the fearless co-host, The Brian. Ah, uh, coffee. The sweet nectar of life. <laughs> and of course, the vicious co-host, Joe. Man, I don't have anything good tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody can tell it's late. I blew uh, my wad on the donkey last night. <laughs> oh, oh, that oh, sounded really no. wrong. <laughs> no, this is a good oh, thing. No. Now everybody's going to be like, and go back and download the last podcast. Yes. Oh my Were God. they in Mexico last time? <laughs> don't go to the donkey show. Uh, also with us today on the Games Podcast is Nero. Hello. And the admin. Yo, yo. Alright, so today's uh, subject, like I said, is games. Being that it is the Halloween month, we're going to talk a little bit about some scary, paranormally type games. I sent out a text message earlier today challenging everybody to bring to the table some games that maybe aren't necessarily actually horror-slash-scary type games. Not that we're banning that, of course, because that's definitely part of this month's vibe, and we'll definitely be talking about those at some point in the podcast, but I thought it'd be kind of interesting to try and come up with something that isn't necessarily like that, because it's sort of the go-to in this, this like, the theme of scary paranormal type stuff. And let's also bring this up. The last week when this airs, so last week when this episode airs, the game Resident Evil 6 came out. Yeah, Let's talk about the Resident Evil franchise for a brief second. It's no longer a horror franchise. It's an action franchise. Yeah. So it made there's a transition. Nice, yeah, it made a transition. So we're going to try and transition from talking about horror games, which we talk about a lot lately, at least. Um, and we're going to try and talk about some other Well, I think things. to be fair, one of the reasons why we talk about horror games so much is because we talk about, or we favor indie games so much. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be a very, very popular subject matter with independent, just anything. You know, independent mm-hmm. movies with the found footage and stuff really lend mm-hmm. themselves well to scary and indie comics, indie comics, indie games, zombies, yeah, exactly. Monsters. So that sort of scary paranormal business is very popular, sort mm-hmm. of a theme in a lot of the independent media. And creative people are just creepy in general, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Uh, no Fair comment. to say. <laughs> All right. Well, first, a little housekeeping. All right. As we've been talking about pretty much since the beginning of this podcast, Ape is coming up. We're finally upon it, and I'm sure everybody's really excited. Oh my god, I can't wait. It's it's just amazing. I love it. Ape is like a giant artist's alley, for those of you that haven't been to Ape before. And that's, personally, my very favorite part of any convention. You know, I pretty much just push past all the vendors and all the Nekomimi and all the crazy bullshit and all the celebrities and stuff, and it's just like, yeah, 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 let me get to the artist's alley. That's where I want to be. Yeah. All the celebrities for the indie comics, it's... I think it's the Hernandez brothers. <laughs> oh I, my! I, you, you mean the Sodomy brothers? <laughs> I shit you not. I swear, all of them are coming. Oh really? Uh-huh. Well, uh huh. Not just like panel. I think so. Oh maybe. I don't know. We'll have to look at the schedule when it gets closer. Things kind of are very liquid with panels at conventions. It seems they yeah. they change a lot. Right, coming up to the, the couple of days beforehand. Yeah, they even right. say somewhere online that. You know, we hope to try and have this, this, and this in the panels, but if it changes, we'll try and insert something else. Right. 
So Ape is on the 13th and 14th of October. That means it's the weekend after next as of this recording. So next weekend, this coming weekend, when you listen to this. Yes, this coming weekend. So make sure to come and see and hang out and look for people wearing Panda Manga stuff. Yeah. Hopefully we'll be there in the press capacity, but haven't at this time of this recording, haven't quite got all that figured out. Well, hopefully Comic-Con International will get to us. One way or another, we're definitely going to be there. Yeah. Uh, in one form or another, so you'll see us in our little panda gear. Uh, we've got a couple people that are definitely noteworthy to see. We have Mandatory Roller Coaster that has a booth there. Yeah, with- Aram French will be there full force and crazy. And hopefully after the Ape Mayhem is over, we'll have Aram on the site officially. We've both been very busy with events. This is, month is crazy for Panda Mega in the events capacity. Uh, so we've sort of eased back on adding new things to the website and just trying to stay on top of the content that we've got coming out and the covers that we've got going on this month. And then, of course, Aram is crazy busy getting ready for Ape printing things and preparing and everything. So we've both been really busy, so we haven't you know, really moved forward with getting on the site. But you know, we are in contact, like I said in the last podcast, and we'll be continuing to move towards getting him on the site. But obviously, we're both wicked busy right now. Yeah, I mean, I can only imagine, like, what kind of nightmare he had to go through actually getting a booth at Ape. Well, you know, people people say that Ape can be really hard to get into. And I think that it's really just a matter of being an early bird. Mm. You know, it's not quite as bad as the, like, true and real horror stories you hear about trying to get into something like Comic-Con. Right. Comic-Con is such an old boys club. It's so hard to get in there. You have to pretty much know somebody to get in, as far as I know. I've talked to a couple different people at some of the conventions that are sort of vets, and they managed to get in there, but they talk about, man, I got denied for like three years until I got in. I mean, it's supposed to be rough. Mm-hmm. But Ape's not supposed to be quite as hard. And honestly, considering some of the things you saw at Ape last year, there's some some not-so-good things that were there. That's true. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. there were, you know... A lot of good things to balance There was a out, lot of good yeah, things. Yeah, no, you're definitely I, right. I, just, I don't necessarily think that you have to be super well-established to get into Ape like you need to be to get into something like Comic-Con. Yeah, though it's interesting. You know, this is something that I've been thinking about a lot. The fact that Double Fine had, like, the most gigantic booth there. Yeah, that was a little odd. To see, yeah. to see vendors at Ape, it's kind of like, what? But no, Double mm-hmm. Fine wasn't really in there as a vendor because Double Fine being the most awesome studio in the San Francisco Bay Area... <laughs> hire me um, <laughs> they really encourage their artists to do comics as well oh really so if you go to the double fine website you'll see like comic strips mm. by a bunch of different artists right so that's really why they were there but they were selling the brutal legend statue that i've been lusting after for pretty much ever but 200 dollars. Yeah, that's really expensive either way so ape is coming up very very soon uh, we hope to see all you guys there. If you see us, come up, say hello, say that you love the podcast. Yeah, you know, we are actually starting to revise some of the things that we'll be doing uh, at events and hopefully get some audience participation and uh, so we'll maybe record you saying, hey, visit pandamanga.com and maybe you'll show up on, on a podcast or an events thing or something like that. And also on the 30th of this month, the night of the 29th, we're hosting the midnight release of Assassin's Creed 3. That'll be at our local Napa, California GameStop. We've got uh, Tigerpaw on lock to come and uh, DJ it up again with us. Yeah, and it was badass last time. Absolutely. So if you missed it, get your ass there this time. Yeah, definitely. You know, come, come early, hang out. Hopefully we'll have opportunities for you guys to get gift cards like we did last time. And yeah, we had a bunch of fun. As I said on the last podcast, if you find me and come up and you're like, hey, are you the Brian? First person who does that gets a gift card from me. 
And John's other roommate said after the podcast, it's like, well, how are they going to know it's you? Well, first of all, my chin's plastered throughout the site. Um, <laughs> That's true. Just, just go to the, go to the, where was it? The news section? Yeah, go to the news section and type in Beardcast, all one word. Yeah. You can get a real acquainted with the Brian's face. Um, and <laughs> if not, half. well, let's see here. There's only going to be so many people there wearing panda manga gear. And, you can just kind and of, of those, the there's only going to be so many that are men. And of those, well, actually, all of us have facial hair. So, we'll uh, uh, of the men, of the men, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, of the saying. men, all the men have facial hair. So, look for the guy in panda manga gear with facial hair. One of us has got to be the Brian, and I'm sure the rest of us won't really mind if you say, "Are you the Brian?" You know what? I think you're overcomplicating this. All I need to do is walk up. Close their eyes and listen for the sultry voice of the Brian. <laughs> it's Ooh, so my. good. And uh, I'll give you a big hint to who Brian is. He's Asian. <laughs> oh. That's just not fair because oh. Brian doesn't look Asian at all. Oh, hey, hey, hey. We've got to make this fun here. Oh, the sorry, game's sorry. afoot. I mean, yes, Asian. Mm-hmm. Yes, the half Asian sensation that's sweeping the nation. Oh, uh, so we recently added some new merchandise on the Zazzle store for Pandemanga. You can go to pandemanga.com forward slash store. I don't think we have a subdomain for that yet, do we? No, we can add one in, though. So hopefully by the time of this release, we'll have store.pandamanga.com. But just just go to the website, click on our store button up at the top, and you'll be able to check out some of the merch we've got going for Zazzle. Uh, we, they, Zazzle had a sale for tote bags. It was awesome! <laughs> and, I got one! And so we decided to go ahead and make a tote bag and order one for ourselves, because at all of these events, we keep getting comics to review, and... We very quickly run out of space, or arm space, or bag space, or whatever. You know, because you get those little plastic bags when you enter a convention, and they're just overflowing with stuff by the time we leave. It's serious business at this point. After the weekend of conventions that we hit, we need a bag yeah, for need, review we need comics, an act, real and actual bag, because we, yeah, we were completely running out of space. Anyway, so, so we've got awesome. tote, yes, <laughs> so we've got tote bags, and then we also have trucker hats. The description of trucker hats I'm particularly proud of because it's f***ing hilarious. Awesome. You just got to go read it. Just So just to kind of talk about the tote bags real quick because I really love them. They're not just simple tote bags with the white with the PM logo. Oh, no, 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 no. They are white with black straps and a black bottom. Completely panda themed. Completely panda themed. Just like the amazing panda manga mugs. That the Brian and I just ordered for ourselves. Right. Yeah, they've got the, they've got like awesome like black rim around the top and a black handle and then the PM sign on it. Nice, <laughs> pretty good. So um, our latest purchase of fun toys in the Panamanga Technology Department is our wonderful new camera. And with that, we have a brand new YouTube channel up. Panamanga TV. So you can go to youtube.com forward slash Panamanga TV. All one word and. Or check the show notes. Yes, or of course check the show notes, yes. And we will be updating all kinds of videos and stuff from our events and then hopefully coming up with unique and crazy segments with all of your favorite Panda Manga staff. Before this podcast started, we were throwing around some crazy ideas and I cannot wait to film yeah, those. Yeah, we're not going to say them yet because we don't want to commit to anything. But they're awesome. You're going to be they're, laughing yeah, your ass off. Know. You'll be rafflecoptering a little bit. Let's put it this way. <laughs> I hate being on film. I absolutely hate it. I can't wait to be on film for some of these things. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be awesome. So yeah, go to youtube.com forward slash Pandamanga TV to check out the YouTube channel. Uh, when you go there now, you will find lots of stuff from our recent events. And hopefully in the future, like I said, some special segments. Also, last weekend at the time of this recording, so two weeks ago, we went to the SACCon and Days of Terror weekend 
over in Sacramento. The admin, Joe, and I were all over there going crazy and having fun and interviewing people and taking home some comics to read. And it was just a, a weekend of mayhem and exhaustion. <laughs> Sweating off maybe five pounds. I know, right? And the second day was nuts in there. Sacramento is infamous for its heat, but this weekend was special. Yeah, and it was extra special hot. Close quarters and conventions. We were wandering around the rooms trying to find the air conditioned areas so we could just survive. <laughs> what we would do minutes. is we would like go hang out in the artist's alley or, you know, kind of where we wanted to be, and then we would take a loop through the vendor's hall because it yes. was air conditioned <laughs> and cool off and then go back in, you yeah. know, to the to the battle. The one guy we talked to said he was technically not supposed to be in with the vendors, but he always made a deal to get into the vendors. <laughs> right, because right. David it's Wong. Yeah, David Wong. <laughs> so yeah. good, so good. Speaking of the events, you can check out the stuff that we've put up for SatCon, Days of Terror, and our previous events at events.pandamanga.com. And at the events, we've started to get a lot of very generous artists and vendors mm. hooking us up with some free comics so that we can review them on the site because obviously all of the amazing stuff at uh, at the different conventions that we would like to promote and share and hopefully give you guys some cross traffic we would be poor if we <laughs> bought all the things that we thought would be really great and we wanted to mm. promote on the website so people have been incredibly generous and hooked us up with some stuff and uh, right. it seems like that's going to be a ongoing trend and we love it and we're happy to send some of our traffic your way and vice versa and promote some independent artists and all that. So, because of that, we've decided to have a new segment starting next podcast that every single podcast will review one comic. That, uh, that's something I'm really excited about and looking forward to. We've kind of gotten into a lot of conventions, and after Ape, hopefully we'll have even more comics to read and, and review and everything. And so hopefully that, that'll be good. And I'm, I'm glad about that because the website really is a comics website. And we've really gotten into a lot of different kinds of media, but it's fun to kind of reel in the podcast a little bit and have it be more focused about comics. So that's good. I'm excited about that. Yeah. And the other big news from uh, our weekend Ocon... We're big in Sacramento. Yeah, we are. <laughs> yeah, we've, when we arrived in Sacramento to crash at Chaz's house, who you guys have known from previous podcasts, his fiance is talking to us, and evidently somebody that she's going to school with or she was in some kind of a school project or study group with was familiar with Pandamanga, and they were familiar with it because somebody told them about it and somebody told them about it. And so there's like this chain of people that are starting to learn mm. about us over there, which just makes us all happy. Well, <laughs> here's how it's really epic, though. It wasn't that they learned about us in a comic book shop. No, they're talking about Panda Manga and the supermarkets. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that, that's always very encouraging. The more mm -hmm. that we find people are interested in what we're doing and paying attention to the site and all that, that's great. I mean, we love that uh, people listen to the podcast, but obviously the website pays the bills and keeps us going. So make sure to visit the site and check out all the comics and all the good content and just in, enjoy all the goodness of Panda Manga. Finally, one of the comics that we were planning on reviewing first... But uh, the Brian enjoyed it so much that he wanted to grab it and do one of his jaded and biased reviews is the Panda Days comics by Jason Doobie. Jason was really generous and hooked us up with, I think, four issues of his comic when we were at SAC Anime. And we read through them, pretty fun stuff, and uh, wanted to do a review of them next time. But the Brian read it and was like, Mine! All mine! <laughs> right, exactly. Called dibs. Yeah, so yes. I think in the first, because he's doing a particular... Oh yeah, we should talk about that. But anyway, at the end of October, Brian will finish his Jaden Biased Creature Feature reviews, and we'll get into that in a second. 
But uh, and we'll uh, in the very beginning, I think the first week of November is planning to has have that Jaden Bias review be the first comic Jaden Bias review of Panda Days by Jason Juby. Yes, it'll either be the first or the second week. Ah, uh, first of, or second, yeah. Yes, one of the two. Speaking of your Jaden Bias reviews, you've got a special plan for October. So October, if you go to the site right now, as of this podcast airing, there will be two monster movie podcasts that are up: Skinwalkers and The Lost Boys. So I'm planning to do various monster movies, uh, different types of monsters and different types of movies in general for October, because let's face it, it's October, Halloween, let's dress up as monsters. So the first one, like I said, is Skinwalkers, which is a werewolf film. They're not the same thing. <laughs> I know. If you, you read, read the, the review, I did. Read the review. I did. There's, 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 he's very jaded and biased about it. Yeah. And then um, <laughs> Lost Boys, which is a sexy teenage vampire. It's absolutely classic freaking movie i love that it's yes. so funny Jesus. whenever like literally when i think lost boys the first thing that pops into my head is jp it's like what's <laughs> well, one of you know what i need to do is i need to put up jp's list of like must watch halloween movies because i have a very particular list and i work my way through them every single year like as soon oh, yeah. as october 1st hits lost boys comes out idle hands comes out the shine i mean like i got a list of things <laughs> that i need to get through evil by the dead 2 evil dead 2 Oh yeah, there's a, there's a very specific lit. Fright Night, the original. Oh my god, I'll just go on and on. Anyway, w- w- hopefully we'll do a thing for that. I'm partial to the Rocky Horror. I have to watch that every October. Oh Rocky man, that, Horror. I, oh. <laughs> you can only watch that and then watch that live so many times before things get. I awkward. understand that that Rocky Horror to really appreciate the Rocky Horror Picture Show, you have to have seen it live and at one of those things. Really? Because yeah. no, I, I I watched it. Because, okay, where I was living before, one of my roommates was like, oh my gosh, I love this movie. Because I was doing my, you know, Halloween, my traditional Halloween movie marathon. And sure enough, she comes out and goes, oh, have you seen Rocky Horror? And I say, no, I haven't. It looks kind of weird. And, you know, I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking like scary horror type movies are going to be what my marathon's about. She's like, oh no, you totally have. That's totally, oh, oh my gosh, you got to watch Rocky Horror Picture Show. I'm getting into it and I'm like, oh God, they're singing. Which for me is a problem. I don't <laughs> Like, I really don't like musicals, so that was sort of the first strike. Let's do the time warp again. But but it is it is really fun. But it's it's so crazy and random. <laughs> I just don't even know. I saw a college production of the Rocky Horror Picture Show when I was thirteen. <laughs> I was not. Wow. I, I, you were I was, just not prepared. I was poorly affected. By oh, that. <laughs> It was bad. I had to go out for ice cream afterwards. <laughs> it's like you had major surgery. It's time for ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you It's okay, right? Everything is uh, fine. I've heard, like, the the, uh, the midnight shows of it, that people, like, act out scenes. Yeah. It's oh, supposed to be dress insane. Up it's supposed and, to be insane. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be down to go see that. It's supposed to be just a bunch of fun. Lots oh, yeah. of audience participation and mm-hmm. just madness. So When we get back, we're going to get into our paranormal games talks. We're bringing back a segment from the very first podcast. That's podcast number one. The where, tech demo that was the podcast. The tech demo that was recorded on my iPhone. <laughs> if you ever read that, please don't judge us. <laughs> it was the first freaking podcast. If you ever read that? Oh. If you ever watch that. Watch that? If you ever listen that? to that. <laughs> it's up late. We're doing it. If you ever do literally everything except what you do with a podcast, <laughs> don't you. blame us. Right. I should throw out a bit of a disclaimer. It's like oh, okay. 1.30 in the morning right now while we're recording <laughs> this. So we're beat. It's a true tech demo when you can watch it and read it in the same time. <laughs> exactly. No, no. no, no subtitles, man. Subtitles yeah, that, that on audio That one was really rough. How should they subtitle a podcast? 
But it was fun, and what we're doing is we're bringing back this segment from the very first podcast called Video Games, Rants, and Raves. Basically, we pick games to rant about and pick games to rave about. Essentially, complain about and love on. And uh, So yeah, we're looking forward to talking about some paranormal games, rants and raves, and we'll get into that when we get back. But first, we're going to take a musical break. You're listening to Geek Life. Stay with us. discussing a subject that's very near and dear to my heart, paranormal games. Ooh, love it. Ooh. Insert creepy music. <laughs> that sounded more like a Pona song. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I feel like I should be in Hawaii now. Yeah, I can't do a good theremin. Theremins are crazy. Theremins are great. Alright, so do we want to start with rants or do we want to start with raves? We'll start with we'll start with raves. Let's start with the good. There we go. We'll do the good first and the bad because the bad is li- likely to be really fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and frankly, I'll get like really really angry, and that'll keep me awake for the second half because okay. I'm running around two and a half hours of sleep here. <laughs> it's like one forty-two right now. All right. So first, raves. I will open the floor to anybody sitting in this podcast room to rave about a paranormal game. So ready, set, go. All right. So the first paranormal game I ever played. And I think really the first video game I ever played to completion, Doom. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. Now, I, I have I've mentioned my fascination with this game several times before, I think. Yes. Man, I loved Doom. <laughs> it scared the crap out of me Great when game. I was like 10 years old playing it in the middle of the night. All the lights are off. Did you do the alleg- or T-Rex arms and the taser shake then? <laughs> Baby Joe T-Rex arms. <laughs> You know, it was, the taser shake wasn't as bad then because you didn't have a uh, up and down look. Oh, that's true. Oh, that's true. <laughs> you just had the side to side. Yeah, you just you had the arrow controls. You that's just, right. Games weren't using the mouse yet. Oh, there was no arrows for that. I mean, there was no mouse for that, was there? No. 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 Shit, there man. was mouse, but it was limited. Like you said, you could yeah, you you could look left and right, but you still had to hit the uh, the buttons for up and down. How funny. Yeah. You know, the auto aim helped. When did that game come out? 91? Yeah. There's a quite breakthrough type game. It's pretty really ridiculous. Yeah, one of the first like 3D environment games. Yeah, Wolfenstein was locked to a grid, and Doom mm-hmm. was the first one where you had polygon levels. And like I said, and yeah. you, there was there was height to it, but you had to jump or whatever, or wait till the elevator yeah. throws you up. So Doom, that's just uh, it's a great man. choice. It had so much replay value. You know, for what? 15 levels, something like that. <laughs> you could play those over and over again. You play it Especially on back in those days. Yeah, play it on easy, play it on medium, play it on hard, play it on insane. <laughs> Nightmare. Nightmare, that's, yeah. yeah it, was, it was pretty genuinely scary. I can remember when somebody first told me about it. it was my, I think it was my friend Justin at the time. And he was saying, dude, this is like an R-rated video game. Like back before <laughs> they had real rating systems right, yeah. implemented. It was like, 
this game should be rated R. And of course, we're little kids and we're like, oh, R, that means it's cool. <laughs> yeah, oh, man. And the, the soundtrack to that was great. Totally. It, it had the, the cool 8-bit, like, music. And then it would be quiet. And you hear that. Just, it's somewhere out there. And it it's hiding behind something. And it's going to get you, and your screen's going to flash red. And, yeah, genuinely scary. I love the paranormal aspect of it, though, is not, you know, the monsters coming out. It's you die and get sucked into hell. You're trying to fight your way out of this, the, the moon base on Deimos, or is it on Mars? I can it's on never... Mars, I believe. I, I get thought it was on one of Mars. I thought it was one of the, um... Phobos or something. Phobos yeah, or Deimos, one of the two. I think it was Phobos because when you get to Deimos, that's when you're accidentally in hell. And just accidentally. Whoops. Yeah, just, you take one of the teleporters and so you're in a... I, I talked about I knew I should have taken a left at Albuquerque. Yeah, you take one of the teleporters and you're in a dark room and you get eaten alive. And yes. Then, and then, oh great, now I'm in hell. But, you know, some of the moon base is in hell with you. It got sucked into. So you get guns in hell. Sweet. <laughs> so, really, what could be better than, you know, you, you die, you go to hell, get up, check your pockets, alright, still got my pistol, still got my shotgun, I'm gonna shoot my way out of hell. <laughs> and you do. <laughs> <laughs> then did you play that one all the way to finish, you said? Absolutely. What was the boss for the first Doom? Uh, the first section of Doom was the, uh, the Cyber Demon. Mm. And then... I think it was two cyber demons for the second section, and then the third one was the giant cyber demon. So they're just all cyber demons. I think so. <laughs> awesome. And I think Doom Two was the giant ro- robo spider thing with the baby head that uh, spat fire. Anything with giant spiders in the third really act? Horrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! So anybody else got a rave game they want to talk about? Talking about Doom actually reminded me of this. I'm not sure if it's going to qualify as a rave game for everybody, but did anybody play? Dante's Inferno, PS3. <laughs> See, yeah. God of War clone. Yeah. See, that that's that's kind of what I figured what would happen. But I really... <laughs> See, this is the problem. You know, I appreciate games in a different way from a lot of people, I think. You know, I'm the type of person that can spend a lot of time just looking at textures. It's true. I, I recall our journey... Demo. Yeah. It's funny. Two hours hours later, we moved like 10 feet forward. I played through that game again since I've already inspected all the textures. I'm like, wow, this game is a lot shorter than I remember. Yeah, no shit. But no, you know, I. For all of its problems, I really enjoyed Dante's Inferno from an artistic standpoint. I really like the creature design. And it's a great idea for a game. I just think that Dante's Inferno suffered from the gameplay clone situation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's there, a lot more they could have done with that game absolutely I, you know i don't I've, i will never understand i'm not gonna this is not my complaint game but i will never understand why people are so obsessed with god of war and still you know <laughs> it, like the like early on it was it was really groundbreaking you felt really powerful there was huge monsters the quick time events allowed you to do these big theatrical things but Dude, it's like the same game still. Yeah, but if I'm not mistaken, there's a certain mini-game that a lot of people enjoy playing over and over again. A thunk, a thunk, a thunk. 
Oh, <laughs> yeah. Three some mini game. This is uh, true. Old. Yeah, I just, I just, I don't know. I just think, I just think that God of War is a little, a little bit overblown. And there are over... people screaming right now. Yes, <laughs> I'm sure. But, but, but the problem is, is that God of War does it real well. It's very well polished. You know, was it Sony Santa Monica? Those guys are badasses. And so you take something that is is kind of played to to death already, and you create games that are like it but not as good as it. And so it's like, not only do you have something that we've seen enough of already, but it's not done as well. And it's, there's just shit tons of those games out there. It's just like, oh, shoot me now. And every, any time something comes out that, that can even be considered anything near a God of War clone, it's like, no, I'm done. It's like God of War, but... Um. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, but, 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 yeah. Caron, how'd you feel about that? Which one, though? The, the boat on the River Styx being combined with the boatmen of the River Styx? Yeah, that, that was, was pretty sweet. That, the art direction in that game was awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I really, really like that game from the art standpoint, you Definitely. know? I got through the, the actual gameplay really, really quick, but I enjoyed studying the models. It was awesome. Mm-hmm, for sure. So that was kind of just an aside. I do actually have a rave game. All right, let's hear it. So, when you sent out the call for this game, you said unusual games, not your classic horror games. And that's kind of my thing. I love scary horror games, but I thought, okay, challenge accepted. <laughs> so, I present to you, ladies and gentlemen, Secret Files Tunguska. What the hell is that? Yeah, nobody knows! <laughs> nobody freaking knows what, what, uh, Tunguska. What, what uh... What platform is that on? So, in 2006, it was released for PC, and then in 2008, it was released for the Nintendo DS, the Wii, and that was it. I'm guessing you played it on the Wii. No, I played it on the Nintendo DS. Really? Yeah, it was one of those 9.99 random pickup games, and I was actually up teaching at Stanford, and a friend of mine had played the PC version. He said, oh, you'd probably like that. Were they right? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. So, basically, Secret Files is actually a European game. So okay. kind of a change up. And it's based on what happened in Tunguska in the early 1900s. So for those of you who aren't familiar, there was a supposed UFO crash. And popular science says it was just a meteorite. But an entire like one mile radius of forest was just grounded because something hit the surface <laughs> of the earth with such force. So... Well, it ignited swamp gas that was left over from a weather balloon. And Venus, <laughs> Venus was rising. Yes, yes. So you know you got your conspiracy theorists that say it's a UFO. So this game is built on the concept that it was that. Mm-hmm. You play as a couple different characters. It's a classic point-and-click adventure, which is huh. awesome. Wow, yeah, those are great. Yeah, I really enjoy that whole thing. So it was a lot of fun. And you go through and try and unravel some of the secrets that are related to this. It starts out in a museum. Some mysterious figures come into the museum, and you actually witness them. Some MIBs? Oh, no. Robed figures. Ooh. Yeah. So... <laughs> Call me spooky. So... You end up traveling through all of Europe trying to find out what happened to one of the museum curators. And overall, it's just really a lot of fun. It's super paranormal, super interesting, point and click, just really, really cool. That's awesome. You know, I find that when we do these rant and raves that a lot of the time you get these neat, weird, random games. Mm-hmm. Because it, it's, it's interesting because you find, when I, when, I, when I request from the podcast group to find games that they feel passionately about. Because you want to rant about something, you're going to feel strongly about it. You want to rave about something, you're going to feel strongly about it. And a lot of the time, you find these really kind of obscure games, or old games, 
Because a lot of the time, games these days, they come out, it's great, it's good, you move on, you know. But mm. for some reason, this rants and rave section draws out these like like bargain bin gems somehow. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's just that's been my experience anyway. And it's getting rarer as time goes by too. Definitely. So it's always nice when you find one. It's good, you know, and that's great because I mean, this is one of the reasons why I wanted to do this is because I want our listeners to have access to our bargain bin favorites. You know, and I'm really looking forward to talking to you about the one that I've picked out because I think a lot of people haven't played it and it's freaking amazing. And you haven't told us what it is yet either. Oh, well, yes. <laughs> why don't, we, we'll tell you what. Why don't I go next? Yay! All right. Yay! Okay, so I want to rave about Vampire the Masquerade Redemption. Nice. <laughs> so, so this came oh, out in June, uh, in June of 2000. <laughs> well then, so a recent title. Yes, a recent title. No, so the, the Vampire the Masquerade game that most people are familiar with is Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines. And that one is sort of like a... Isn't it an MMO? Or... No, no, it's, it's like a vampire-themed like Fallout-type game. Mm-hmm. You know, it's first person, there's a lot of, a lot of dialogue trees. You know, yeah, it's like a progressive uh, mission system. You like do this and then do this and, you know, oh, go collect this or go talk to that person. You just kind of, you know what I mean? It's very, like, yeah, it's very Fallout Skyrim. It reminds me of the Bethesda-type stuff. <laughs> but it's really fun. Anyway, but that's not the game I wanted to talk about. The, it's... Predecessor, the earlier one, which I think came out about four years earlier in 2000, is called Vampire Masquerade Redemption. And this one is really special. A lot of the vampire games that you run across these days happen nowadays or in some just kind of fantastical world. And the cool thing about this is that it happens in like old Prague, basically, or that in that area. In the you, first half. The first half, right. And you play as Christoph Romald, I think is his name. And you're a holy knight. You start the game as a human. You don't start the game as a vampire. You don't you don't go like like for example, bloodlines, you start the game as somebody who just became a vampire. But you don't actually get to do anything. You don't actually get control of the character at all. Or get to know the character like pre-embrace is what they call it in the vampire the masquerade world, which is like when you get sired or to become a vampire. So previous to your embrace, you don't get to play anything in the in bloodlines. In this one, you actually get to play a couple hours as a holy knight fighting vampires. Mm-hmm. And so one of the early missions, you go into the Bond Silver Mines, which is near Prague, and you try and kill Az- Azra, like this this uh, big badass, you know, oh, vampire type person. Was creepy looking. Right, and it was it was really really a bunch of fun. And you're running around sword and shield, no vampire powers. You actually have to try and kill vampires. You, you, you there's like these elaborate traps and stuff you have to work through, or and like environmental hazards for the vampires. You have to like draw them into the sunlight, and then you can kill them. It's totally totally fun. Anyway, so you end up taking out this Ozra person. Coming back, you you become kind of like a local hero, and then the a like local like vampire leader. I think of like the Bruja clan. I'm not going to get into all the complicated clan stuff because Vampire the Masquerade is like really politically complicated. Like that, oh, that's Jesus. that's like the problem, in my opinion. With I played a couple games of it, and that, like that's in my opinion the single biggest problem with the tabletop game: not enough action, way too much just drama and politics, mm-hmm. which is what that game is like freaking all about. And it's really it's really unfortunate because it's really in depth and cool world. Yeah. So you end up being uh, turned into a, a vampire by this local leader who's kind of preparing for this clan war that's happening. And inevitably, the story moves along, and I think one of the neatest things that this game has to do is not only do you get kind of both sides of being a vampire and not being a vampire, but this story takes place in, like, ancient times, and then after, like, the first act, the big climactic battle, you get buried under a bunch of rubble, 
And you wake up centuries later in modern times and have to kind of finish the other end of your story and deal with all the things that have been going on behind the scenes, or not behind the scenes, but going on while you've been sleeping and rubble, you know, covered. And I think it's like an archaeological dig that opens you up or finds you or something. But it's just amazing the incredible range that this game has where you start as a holy knight, become a vampire, hold on to your humanity, fight for it, try and still stay good, battling kind of with this internal, like, I was a holy knight, can I still be saved, am I, what's, what's, where's my soul and all this, like, it's just really cool. And then, not only to have something that's old-fashioned and old times like that, which you a lot of the time don't get with vampire stories, I mean vampire games, and then to be able to have kind of like that payoff in the end to be able to be in the big city and a vampire, and it's just like, it's got everything. Mm-hmm. It's old, it's an old game. So it doesn't look very good anymore, and I haven't played it recently, but I can remember feeling like it played really well back then. Graphics-wise, so, it really hasn't aged well. Yeah, you know, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it's it's just a bunch of fun. It's totally a great game, you know, and if you're looking for a really, really excellent paranormal game that's not, you know, meant to blah, scare you, but meant to just be really fun and really investigate a subject that has kind of been cast to the wayside or is just considered lame, it's a great freaking game. There's, there's yeah. really just no good vampire games anymore. They're all either terrible or they just don't exist. <laughs> I think the only cool vampire game I've seen in recent memory was, I think, that Blood Rain animated side-scrolling action game that they mm-hmm. had on the PSN and Xbox Live. Which, which is now is, free for PlayStation yeah, Plus it's free for PlayStation Plus. I actually downloaded it the other day and started playing it again. It's really a bunch of fun. It's tough. Yeah, but most of the time you just don't get any good vampire games or, you know, it's like it's st- it's like pretty much stopped when they stopped doing the Legacy of Kane games. Is that um, like Castlevania? The side-scrolling? Yeah. And w- well, it's not like the Metroidvania. Mm. It's more like, you know, mission-based, you scroll left to the right. Yeah, have you played style. Shank? I'm trying to think of what... Anyway, but... let's go back to the early 80s. Russian attack? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Contra? Yeah. There you go. There, there you go. go. Yeah. It's kind of like that. But yeah, I really do feel like modern-wise, there's a big void for people who appreciate really excellent vampire stories, uh, you know, just in general, let alone in the gaming world, and this one is awesome. I would also mm-hmm. recommend Bloodlines as well, but Bloodlines is... It really kind of starts to fall prey to a lot of the problems with the Masquerade universe. It gets really political. There's a lot of... Might as just... well be playing, like, Democratic Convention 2013. Well, yeah, there's just there's just a lot of really complicated quest chains and conversation chains. And it's just... It, it gets to where it's like, okay, when am I going to, like, smack something? <laughs> you know, when am I going to actually have some action? Because... You become a vampire, you get these powers, you run fast, you jump, you can transform into things, and you just don't use them, you just talk to people. It's like... Press X to snarkily disavow knowledge of vampires. Right. (laughs) It's an interactive medium. If you're not going to fully use the interactivity, you might as well use a different medium, like a book or a movie. Right, exactly. yeah. So, the story. so anyway, that that's my bargain bin rave. Go check out Vampire the Masquerade Redemption. This is back in Windows 95 era, so (laughs) good luck trying to play it. Hey, hey, 98... No, 95, man. It's 2000, bro. Well, the Wikipedia that I was reading so said... Windows oh, 3. or Windows 2000. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, yeah. <sighs> well, anyway, so that's that's my choice for raving, is, is the Vampire Masquerade Redemption. Check it out. JP approved. I've also got a vampire game where you start out as not a vampire, but only for about two minutes. And it's not a game that I particularly like. It was like, oh, this is awesome, because it's a game that is much better in concept than it was in execution, but it's a game for the PlayStation 2 and original Xbox called Darkwatch. It's kind of like Halo meets Paranormal Western. I've never <laughs> heard of this game. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. It's, it's a first-person shooter, and you play as this character named Jericho Cross, who is a bank ro- or a train robber. 
And he's basically... It's uh, like Western Times. It's in Western Times, yes. Like I said, it's a paranormal Western. Nice. And so he's like going for his last big score. And he sees this really fancy train, goes up, robs it. Turns out there's all these undead bodies and stuff like that. He stumbled on the wrong train, let out a big bad super vampire on accident, and gets turned into a vampire himself. Um, nice. That sounds awesome. Yes. And so like there's an agency that's the Dark Watch, basically, that are basically looking out for these to make sure that they're the guys who had the train and are trying to keep things in order and try and keep this bad guy locked up. And they kind of recruit him. One of the biggest problems with this game, I feel, is that Jericho is your stereotypical old school silent protagonist, never says a word. Mm. And I think that storytelling wise, if you had him say a couple things every now and then, it would have been much better. But you do have like, you have this cool like on rails sequence where Okay, so when you first become a vampire, you see this horse and you get all bloodlusted. Take a chunk out of the horse. Horse becomes an undead horse. And that's the <laughs> horse you ride on. <laughs> nice. And and so, like, there's a sequence where you're trying to ride on the horse to, like, I believe these caves or something. And it's kind of like an on-rail shooter where there are certain things following you. And you got to shoot left, right, and kind of keep people from knocking you off and all this sort of stuff. You get, like, this ghost companion after a while who's kind of like your Cortana in the game. Uh, that's why I call it like Halo meets Paranormal Western, but it's kind of a cool game and you've got like moral choices as far as your bad guys go. So, um, or as far as certain actions go, so you can like suck people's bloods out and take their souls suck or, their bloods. or you can like, uh, purge them of like the evil and based upon how much good you do or how much evil you do, um, you have power, ske- uh, power skills, things. And so evil has a completely different set of skills than the good side. So it's all about choice. And you have a choice at the end of the game, whether you side with the good side or the bad side. Fun game. Sounds cool. Um, Yeah, it's a fun game. Like I said, story-wise, just there's some flaws with it. But outside of that, the gameplay is great. Awesome. Yeah. So when I got my mission directive from JP over here with the, you know, it pops out of my bowl of rice and says this message will self-destruct about what we're reviewing tonight, <laughs> I completely spaced it for a while, and then all of a sudden, it went oh boom. my god, it's tonight, right? <laughs> so I'm like, okay, as a professional student, it's like, how can I outsource it? Who can I get to do this for me? So I opened up the chat channel of all my gamer friends, and like, oh, the list is full of people. It's awesome. This is like never full. There's no one ever here. And like, okay, guys, what's a great, you know, paranormal game? One reply. I got one reply <laughs> out of the whole thing. Um, our, our good friend Colin, he said, check out Costume Quest. So, um, and then my computer crashed, of course. So I ran over to JP's. Yeah, I watched the video on Steam, and uh, you know, one of the interesting things with the video I thought it was an interesting antidote was they said it was for children and adults. Like, <laughs> who is it not for then? Why would you say that? It's various thing, but it, it, it's not, not for, for teens. Or not for teens, teens. Guess, no. <laughs> or the elderly. <laughs> so. I just have this mission of this old man. Oh, what the well, hell? And then when we find out what they meant about the cat, I mean, <laughs> the cat really illustrated the whole situation. Yeah, so... Um, <laughs> you don't remember the cat? You were like, oh, I see why it's for adults and children, because oh, there's this cat right. walking around, this cat has this pink anus. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's no real reason, it's really cartoony, there's very little detail, That's and right. then this cat walks up and it's like, oh, and there's a cat butt, alright. Yeah, it's No real, like, uh, undue amounts of detail on the cat anus. No, I'm really, really used to seeing animal anus in Japanese games, I think that... <laughs> This started oh, with Donkey Kong 64. Oh, the rhino had a butthole. And then Okami, when you have the Shiba Inu skin, you see little Okami butthole. It's just something <laughs> the Japanese games do. And I noticed that 
this American game, it's done by Double Fine, there's Cat Butthole, and once again, it's because Double Fine is a superior company. <laughs> for that new level of realism <laughs> crossing an uncanny valley, right? Oh my god, so good. Anyway, so what do you think of the so, game, So, um, yeah, well, watching the video, one of the first things I really noticed was the style. It was really kind of, it reminded me a little bit about Nintendo Wii's kind of shell-shaded, as well as it kind of had like a Mario Sunshine feel to it as mm-hmm. well. I was also so, thinking like the Zelda Wind Waker mm-hmm. games. That was my that kind of style to it as well. Yeah, so uh, it plays like an RPG. It's got kind of like this overworld map where you get to explore and look for secret things, and I love that a lot. You get like roller skates later, which is amazing. Yeah, let you zoom around, Mm -hmm. which which also always helps in RPGs to be able to go faster on the world map. (laughs) Right. Yeah, and then uh, it has battle scenes, and it's the type of battle where it's like all of a sudden press X, press X, press X, uh, and you got to do it soon, not too late. And a bunch of quick time events. Yeah, and I think if you're going to try to do some type of action thing, it should be responsive. The controls it shouldn't be timed. Uh, so that not really my style of, of game for the battle. Um, but uh, otherwise, you know, like running around the world map was a lot of fun. I was really upset I couldn't carjack. You know, you have a bunch of cars and you're running around. Yeah, but you're a little kid. Grand Theft Auto has really ruined us all. Yeah, <laughs> just, just yeah. I can't drive past games. one of those double decker stack things that's set down and not think ramp. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, it probably has a good story, but I had it on mute, and I skipped it through <laughs> very fast, and I was very happy to get the gameplay, which is always important to me. Totally. So uh, that was my review of Costume Quest. Check awesome. Well, we're going to take a little break, and when we get back, we're going to get into our rants, where we bitch and moan about games, mm. <laughs> which is probably a whole lot easier than saying games that we like. Because we just play the ones we like. Yeah, we just, yeah, right, exactly. That's exchange, I found, wow, I just fell apart right there. <laughs> Where'd go? <laughs> you said like 60 things at the same time. I did. <laughs> Very impressive. Uh, can they tell we had caffeine tonight? <laughs> no, I was going to say, I found it difficult to find a game that I wanted to complain about because I turned a game on that I don't like and then I turned it off. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's hard to really dig into, well, there was this wrong with it and that wrong with it and this wrong with it because you have to play it long enough to be able to have it reveal all of its crappery. Oh, don't worry. I suffer through games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know. The admin doesn't have any problem with that. Yeah, if, and if... Uh, and don't forget that I'm was here. pretty much <laughs> a angry, cantankerous bastard. Cantankerous. <laughs> nice. That's a good way to describe you. Yes. Anyway, so we'll take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to get into our rants section of the rants and Raves Games Podcast. You're listening to Geek Live. Stick with us. Back to Geek Live, Pandemangus Podcast. Next up, we're going to talk about some of our least favorite paranormal video games. So, who wants to start us up? I guess I'll roll out first. Game that came out in, I believe, 2011, Shadow of the Damned. This is a game that is... It's a cock jokes game. Yes, it's famous for two (laughs) things. So, you have this demon partner named Johnson. And so, of course, with that, you gotta take the lowbrow road, and you've got all these lame dick jokes flying everywhere. Be it names of certain things, or just whatever. (laughs) 
So what you're saying is you have penises just flying all over. Whoops. Yes. Over and over. Lots of penises flying all over. Oh my god. And this game was also famous for the fact that it was a collaboration between Suda51 and Shinji Mikami. That explains uh, everything. That Suda51 studio is fucking weird. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I'm like, you know what? F this game and f Suda51. I have not played anything that I've liked of this guy, and I feel he is way overhyped. This game was probably the worst of the bunch. So you got this character named Garcia Hotspur, who basically... <laughs> Just keeps getting better and better. Who basically comes home, and, uh, oh hey, his girlfriend's being stolen by the devil. And so he follows the devil into hell, where people don't really like him because he's a demon hunter. Uh, yeah, so he's... Wandering around hell, and to replenish his life, he drinks tequila. Because, you know, <laughs> instead of food, he has tequila. And right, of course. <laughs> just horrendous controls. In a day and age of, like, the modern console games, fighting cameras, not a good thing. We the game's difficult. Point, the game's really. difficult, but it's not just difficult because it's, like, tough, but it's also difficult because it's extremely cheap, and it's difficult because it's got shitty controls. Add all that up, and I'm just like, I tried really hard to be patient with the game and tried not to throw my controller across the room, successfully did not throw the controller across the room, but pretty much was this close to breaking the disc if it wasn't for the fact that I rented the game. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, that game, man. <laughs> you look. I'm looking. I'm looking at Brian's notes on his uh, on his little dry erase board over here. It's Suda Fifty One. Lame dick jokes. Shitty ass controls. <laughs> Off the dick jokes things, I actually have another antidote from a different game I want to share. Uh, my friend's playing Guild Wars 2 right now. Oh, and so you have pets in it. And he named his pet Dick Tourette's. <laughs> so one of the moderators said, hey, dude, this isn't cool. You've got to change that. So he changes it to Richard Tourette's. <laughs> the admin go he goes, that work? And the admin goes, you know what? That's fine. <laughs> and so he walks around in game with Richard Tourette's. So that's my little antidote. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, so I, I guess I'll bring up yeah, yeah, my yeah, uh, rave here. A rant? rant? Rant. Rant, that's it. So a little while ago, all my friends like, oh, I got this new game. It's called Rule of Rose. you got to come over. We're going to get together. And now you like really see this guy like once a year. So we're going to all get together, have this party. We're going to play this game, Rule of Rose. And, you know, because it's the distance and travel and stuff, we only got like a couple hours together. So we finally you know, we eat some food. We pop the game in. We start playing it. And you walk around, load screen. It enters you to a hallway with three doors. Take a door, load screen. Just constantly, and then you maybe talk to someone, load screen. They're talking, <laughs> load screen. Go down to the back of the hallway, load screen. You know, talk to someone else, load screen. It took us an hour till we got a weapon. I believe it was a stick. <laughs> and it took us another hour before we gave up because we hadn't fought anything with the stick. It was not a great experience, and that's my rant. Rule of Rose, also known as the Loading Game Simulator. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, you know, the artwork was really great, and, there, you know, there's, uh, I'm sure if you had the time to play it, it was uh, probably an interesting story, but uh, it was just the wrong game for that event. It's incredible how having lots of loading or just long loading screens just cuts a game off at the knees. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, that's actually one of the few things that I'll stop playing a game over. I'm pretty forgiving when it comes to horror titles. I just expect that they're going to be crappy, but constant loading screen. <laughs> it's so awful, too. It's like my favorite genre, but I just know. It's like, okay, there's a 90% chance that this game is going to be garbage. But yeah, no, I really hate constant loading screens. So yeah, that's really miserable. That's unfortunate because you're talking about it, and I'm thinking, I've heard of this game. 
And then I started the flashback and I realized, oh, I have the soundtrack to this because in my early days, I used to work at Game Crazy and I would get all the swag. And I'm like, oh yeah, that looked really interesting. And then when you said that there was a stick, I'm like, that is really interesting. <laughs> but the load screens just completely turned me off to it, so. Yeah, I'm sure the developers developed it on nice fast hard drives and then when they send it off to be <laughs> burned on CD-ROM, they get there, oh no, what are we doing? So Admin, what's your game? So this is actually really tough. I tend not to have horror games or scary games that I dislike. Just You're so lenient with that. I am. I really am. I <laughs> love lenient. I love paranormal stuff. I love weird stuff and I love Japanese stuff. So a lot of the games that I play qualify. It just happens that they happen to be crappy too. <laughs> so it's got four things going for it and that one crappy part. So, you know, but I'm going to go with an element of a game. And, and I'm sure that this series is going to be brought up a lot, but Resident Evil. And you know what? I'm not even going to go with the controls because everybody knows, yeah, Resident Evil controls are horrible. Stop. Shoot. Oh, man. Put your gun away and go again. It, well, you can't move when you're shooting a gun. Everybody knows that. That's ridiculous. You have to take a stance. Yeah. I mean, those little handguns have a lot of kickback. I really shouldn't be acting like that's ironic because I can't really shoot a gun without a lot of kickback affecting me. But no. Okay. Resident Evil. The goddamn sharks. That is the kind of stress that I really can't handle. Yeah, everybody's sitting here like, what? Sharks? What? what? Yeah, okay, guys. There's zombie sharks? I don't even think that they're zombie sharks. They're just fucking sharks. They're just <laughs> genetic. You guys, which, which one is this in? This is in, and there's a list. So <laughs> there's Resident Evil 1, Resident Evil 0, Resident Evil Revelations, and I want to say that there's another Resident Evil with sharks, but it stresses the hell out of me. I don't know what it is. It's like I'm really fascinated with the sea as well. I love creatures of the deep, but f***ing sharks, man. So if I'm going through a goddamn mansion dealing with zombies and really terrible controls, I do not need the pressure of sharks on me as well. So I'm trying to figure out how you're in a mansion <laughs> and you're dealing with sharks. Dude. Are they like land sharks? <laughs> dude, Olympic-sized swimming pool can hold a shark or two. Yeah, no, so, okay. So in Resident Evil 1, underneath the mansion, and Resident Evil 0 as well, I mean, it's the same place. So underneath the mansion is the lab. Well... Apparently, the way that you guard a lab is you get a moat. <laughs> An interior moat. And you've got to have sharks and in your moat. And you put sharks Duh. in that f***ing moat. Was this James Bond here? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> and then you have the moat raise and lower its water levels. And even when those water levels are fucking low, those sharks are still really mad and coming after you. They're like, okay, I think there's three separate instances where you deal with sharks in Resident Evil 1. You deal with it when the <laughs> That just doesn't make any sense. It's, it's so, so stressful. Oh my God. So you have to swim through the moat when the water level is high. Obviously the sharks are there because they're swimming around in their environment. You have to deal with the sharks when the water level is low and they're really pissed because they're not a lot of water and they see you and they're like, shit, maybe if I kill this person, there's going to be more water. <laughs> and then- So just flopping around. And then you say, oh no, no, no. Here's where the flopping comes. You, you pull <laughs> some like- what are the, what's this? Ropes? No, uh, it's... Looks like you're milking a cow. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, so you find a wheel, and you stick the wheel on the... The, the, the pole. valve. Yeah, the valve. There we go. So, there's a valve oh, that you turn... The classic gaming valves. Uh, yeah, especially with Resident Evil, there's a lot of valves. So, you're outside of the garden, and you turn this valve, and then there's this waterfall, and all of a sudden, there's a shark flopping in front of the waterfall on the ground. So, it's kind of a land shark. And yes, it can kill you if you get too close. 
fucking hate charts in Resident Evil. It's so stressful. Another rant for me. Animals in zombie games. I really, really cannot stress how stupid these zombies (laughs) in Dead Rising. (laughs) Oh my god, that is so dumb. Uh, The zombie plague is started by fucking bees. Hey, to be fair, right now there is a zombie bee disease outbreak going on. Just saying is all. Really? Yes. Yes, it's a zombie, like, it's kind of like a rage virus thing that's affecting bee colonies right now. Good thing we use our cell phones to keep the bees away. Yes. <laughs> really? Well, nice. There we go. Yeah. But zombie poodles and zombie parrots in that game, too. I hate zombie animals. <laughs> <laughs> They're just f***ing ridiculous. Man, kind of on that note, was it you, JP, that shared a link on Facebook about the Japanese game that's all about just animals fighting each other in an apocalyptic future? Yes. <laughs> wow. That's like, it's called like Tokyo's, Tokyo's Tokyo Zoo, Zoo or Tokyo Jungle or something. Yeah, yeah, Great. yeah. It's supposed to be really entertaining. It looks really just, it's just one of those games where you look at it, if, if you if you didn't see any text, you had absolutely no context, you didn't know that it was supposed to be Tokyo, it just looks like a city and animals, you could look at that and be like, oh, that's a Japanese game. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Japanese Japanese games just get away with being f***ing weird. More dog butt holes. And, and more and more dog anus. Mm-hmm. It's definitely dog anus in that game. Yep. It's just definitely a clear indicator of, yeah, of Japanese games. <laughs> There's a Shiba Inu. I can feel another shirt coming on. <laughs> oh, man. How to, tell, how to tell the difference between an American game and a Japanese game. Just dog butt. <laughs> One's got an anus, and you circle it. That's anus Japan. check. <laughs> Oh, man. But yeah, to kind of wrangle it back in, of all the things in Resident Evil, it's the sharks. I I really... I could deal with that element not being in the game. I mean, there's a difference between being scared and being f***ing stressed, and those goddamn sharks stress me the f*** out. Speaking of being stressed out, we already know I didn't handle Slender. Oh, I think you handled it just fine. The, the, the T-Rex arms. <laughs> no, you can't handle anything with T-Rex. That's true. That's true. That's true. But, you know, when I really went back and thought about it, it was kind of a boring game. I think that was one of the things we talked about. If, yeah. you, if you knew what was going on and you could just run through and pick up the pages and not look behind you when you heard scary shit. It was, who called it the National Park Simulator? <laughs> that would be neuro. Yeah, yeah about dead If you turn the sound off, that game would just be the boringest thing ever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is the sound that makes that game worth anything. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, that's one of the selling elements about that game is, holy yeah. f- this person knows sound. Yeah, and, and really, again, if you, if you didn't I... look behind you, there was only one area in the game... Where Slenderman could like be around the corner in that little hallway. Oh, the bathroom! Oh, that bathroom was so not. Awful. That was not a good place to be, though. That was. Well, I, yeah. Wow. That was that was terrible. And and that was it. That was it. Otherwise, so it's really just kind of simple and just ridiculous. Hence the reason it didn't scare me. Nothing scares oh. you because you're fearless. Yeah, there, there might be a chance. I might actually go back in the Jaded and Bias reviews and re- watch Event Horizon again to see if it'll still scare the crap out of me. <laughs> You can do oh, that by man. yourself. God, so much. good. Oh, man. <laughs> I I would be afraid to meet somebody who did not have a oh god moment whenever Event Horizon was mentioned. That would be not a person. <laughs> they just to have be not around. seen it yet. Is really yeah, pretty much Event Horizon. Uh huh. That's the person <laughs> that you all want to be friends with because they're going to kill you. Yes, definitely. Mm. I mean, even 
Even the eighth Henry will shudder when you mention Event Horizon. So, so Joe, I have a question. Do you find that the reason why Slender bothers you so much is not only is it really just simple and not very entertaining, but it still scared you? <laughs> like, it still accomplishes its goal, even though it's not very good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know, that, it really bothered me that it got... Every, it got you, it got you. It everything got you. gets a shock scare out of me. I Like I said, I jumped at the Blair thumb. <laughs> <laughs> That's never going to stop being funny. No, I, it really isn't. I practically fell out of my damn chair, plain slender. It was good. And, you know, everything gets me, and, you know, I, I can get over that. It It's happened all my life. <laughs> I, I'm kind of past being embarrassed about... Freaking out about boo, you know it, it happens. It's just that it didn't have any substance behind it, mm-hmm. and it still got me. <laughs> it's true. That's true. Yeah, I mean, in its defense, once again, it was a tech demo. But, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that game blew up in popularity mm-hmm. way far. I mean, like that's not a build that was meant to be. No. To see the kind of audience it saw. No, literally, that game was designed because they wanted to learn how to use Unity. I, I mean, literally. It's basically they, a school project. Yeah. Right? It, it it does not get to be a better definition than tech demo than that. It's like. Hey, I built this to learn how to use the program. Yep. How'd I do? That's it. That's it. Which is why everybody rated it incomplete out of 10 Miyamoto's. (laughs) (laughs) Complete, Joe? Yeah. All right. Okay, I have have two things that I want to say, two two games that I wanted to rant about. One, just a real quick side note. Silent Hill games, their controls are hot garbage. Steamy, hot, awful garbage. Yeah, they're right up there with Resident Evil. No, I thought Resident Evil controls were were slicky smooth in comparison. Oh, you have not played Resident Evil 1, the original version. I played Resident Evil 1, and I can remember feeling like, wow, it's kind of clunky, but I can still kill stuff. Oh my god. I can remember feeling like, well, no, we played, granted it was the HD collection, which could have been part Uh... of the problem. But let's not let's not let's not do that. But yeah, the first Silent Hill, you're in the streets, there's those awful things that you hit, and then they start crawling around on the damn ground. Second Silent Hill. Second house, still horrible. Okay? <laughs> horrible, horrible, horrible. The controls are so awkward and wonky that like that's why it's scary. It's not necessarily scary that they're creeping and crawling around on the ground, which it sure it is, but the fact that they creep and crawl around on the ground makes them harder to hit. And you try and move your guy around, and it's it's like it's awful. It, you know, you try and swing, and you go over here, and it's like it's like um, uh, um, it's just oh my god, it just pissed me off so bad. And that games that achieve whatever it is their goal is difficulty or fear or something like that because they have terrible controls need to be burnt alive. Yeah. I hate that shit. The problem is, is that Silent Hill is also really brilliant in a lot of ways, and so it's totally worth playing, but. <laughs> God damn it! I hate the stupid Silent Hill controls. Yeah, and it's another game with zombie animals, right? The do- the, yeah. dogs and birds. I, it's yeah. arguable. I mean, they're not exactly zombies. There's stuff going on, so yeah. it's. But yeah, I mean, there are demon possessy type of business. Yeah, there are dogs, and they are awful. Evil animals, not good. Yeah. yeah. So the game I really wanted to talk about was Contempt to Bloodshot. Now, this is a game that I actually really, really enjoyed. Right until the last, say. right until the last two or so levels. Okay, the whole game. There's this feeling of just impending dread. A very, very complete and horrible understanding of how to have visual direction, have things pop in in the corner of your vision, and then not show up when you look over there, and you're like, was that really there or not? And just it was really scary and really fun. Had a really great fighting mighty mechanic. And almost the entire game was pretty Exploding much babies. Well, oh god. 
almost yeah. the entire game was pretty much a just hand to hand combat. You know, you you had you get a gun and it's like I'm gonna save the gun for the really bad baddies because you might have six bullets in an entire level and that's that's generous. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, and the game ha- had on lock mm-hmm. that sense of like removing player power and making you against like deal with like really stacked odds right until like the last couple levels. There's a level, might be the level before the very last level, where you all of a sudden get an assault rifle, and there's ammo everywhere. Ammo freaking everywhere, and there's a bunch of bad guys that are dropping ammo that you can pick up, and they're all like military dudes in flak jackets, and it's like, oh, okay, here we go, Call of Duty. What I mean what? <laughs> it, like it totally changed the game all at once, like just complete 180, and that that was really frustrating. But even that was kind of like, okay, I guess the situation called for that, okay, but. What was really the problem is the whole game was building to this, there's a secret society and they're evil and they're ancient and all this stuff is going on and there's like these stories of some chosen person who has this kind of ability and they're talking about having, being able to do some kind of magic sort of thing and in the end it basically just is like this giant Hadouken that you can shoot at people. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and you know know how you do it? You do it by yelling at them. So like the very like the last level you you achieve this ability and you end up having to take guys out or you have the ability to take guys out and you think you hold down the two shoulder buttons and your guy's fists come on the screen and he does this <laughs> sort of thing <laughs> like he's constipated and then he goes oh and the screen kind of distorts and then he basically hadoukens people and it's just stupid <laughs> it's just it's just really stupid the whole game it's like I've got bare fists and they're wrapped up because they're bloody and it's hella scary and everything is way more powerful than you and it's just freaking horrible and all these supernatural creatures are coming after you and then at the end of the game it's like therefore Hadouken (laughs) (laughs) I mean to the point where they create situations as games often do when you have a new ability they create situations that require it or at least are way easier when you use your new ability and the ability is just so ridiculous and so out of place in that game that they're like hmm well what can we do um helicopters you should yell at helicopters that's what you should do there's like two helicopters in the last level and they're flying around and the whole game the whole game 10 hours of the game because it's not a real long game but anyway 10 plus hours you're running around hitting stuff with fists beating people over the head with bars and toilet seats and just the random weird shit and just this amazing visceral hand-to-hand combat and so you're not in the mode of thinking I can range stuff you're in the mode of like drawing out an enemy into a con- into like a confined space dealing with them you knocking them down strategy timing all this sort of stuff and then in the last episode it's just gunplay and yelling at stuff <laughs> And so they bring stuff out like the the helicopter, and I can remember getting killed by the helicopter a bunch of the times, a bunch of times, and then going, "Oh yeah, I can yell at it. That's what I should do." And the game clearly wants me to just go and just, just hit. The, and then of course it was like easy. Oh, just stupid yelling thing, so stupid. And the the build up for the whole game was like, man, what is this all about? I mean, is it like some kind of evil? What is this? And it sounded like it was going to be some kind of terrible ability having to do with the voice. It's like all this build up and then... I don't know why, but the way that you describe the yelling and the helicopters makes me think of an old man in a walker walking outside. <laughs> I don't damn care. Get down out of the sky! We didn't fight the Great War for you to play up there! You know, just... <laughs> well... It also reminded me of this thing where it was the Skyrim trailer redone in an 8-bit thing. (laughs) And and so, like, you have, like, your 
8-bit character walking up and you have this giant dragon and it's like, yeah, the one man who can fight the dragon and you hear the guy go, ha! And like the dragon just gets blown off the screen. <laughs> that is exactly what it's like. It's like the dragon yells in Skyrim. It's just, it's just really sad because other than that, the whole game was really brilliant. It was really scary. It, it was the sort of game you could play an hour or two of and then you were so mentally just bludgeoned that you needed to stop because it was so intense. Need to stop, play some my or watch some My Little Pony. What? <laughs> some French of his magic. Yes, exactly. Just to kind of just chill out. And then, like I said, those last few last few levels, it just flips it right over on its back. The game completely forgets what it is and what it does well. And all of a sudden, it just becomes this generic, stupid game. And then for yelling at stuff. Mm-hmm. One of the problems with movies, books, games, whatever, ending is so much more important than the rest of the mm-hmm. of the whole like you know book movie game, whatever, because that's what you're going to remember more than anything else. You f*** up the ending, and everybody's going to hate that thing. you've ruined the whole thing. You have a great ending, and people will remember that great ending, even if it's a shitty-ass film. That's what I hear. You start writing your end first, and you write backwards so you get to the ending. Well, I just just don't understand why they had to change it like that so much. It's just... Well, you know, when you can't beat them, Hadoopin. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how Joe was fired. (laughs) Uh, uh, with that, I think that we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. <laughs> so make sure to join us next time on Geek Life for our Paracast. Paracast. So the plan is, uh, it, it, the, the in the normal rotation, it's the comics podcast. And so we will do a comic review. However, instead of doing another comic review to make it a complete comics podcast, we have decided to tell ghost stories, essentially. The plan is to tell stories that are real. That's the goal. So it either needs to be either something that happened to you or a friend or something like that or something that is a story that is based on truth. We're not sitting around telling the hook man, killing the people that love kissy kiss point sort of crap. We're trying to tell actual stories that someone told you or your grandpa told you or your friend or your cousin or whatever like that or that, I mean, hopefully something that happened to you yourself. So stick around, uh, check out the next podcast, and hopefully we'll have some some scary stories from the Panda Manga crew. Oh, we will. Oh, we will. Well, the admin's got plenty of scary stories. She lived in a haunted house for years. Anyway. All right. Well, thanks for listening to us, you guys, and and, uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Geek Life. We always love to hear from our listeners, so please email us at geeklife at pandamanga.com with any questions, comments, or insights. Anyone interested in becoming a PM contributor, visit our contact page at contact.pandamanga.com and complete the form located there. Music has been provided by Air Plus Recordings. As always, links to the artists and songs featured on this episode are available in the show notes at podcast.pandamanga.com. If you'd like more information about Air Plus Recordings, visit airplusrecordings.com. This is Joe, and we'll see you next time.
<laughs> Bring us back in with the Cheetos. Well, I can do one good one and one Cheeto one. Okay, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Don't be self-conscious, Joe. Welcome back, And that was Kenny. Professor <laughs> Bob. <laughs> We're talking about our least favorite paranormal game. This is just not working. I think this is brilliant. So if you're listening out there and we keep this take in. Oh my um, god, so good. We convinced Joe to eat a bunch of Cheetos right before bringing us back in. He was already eating Cheetos when we had to come back in. You convinced it's 2 in the morning yet? Yeah, 2.14. Oh my god.